Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel of Mark, as you heard a few moments ago. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you were to travel back in time and meet your past self, what would you say to yourself back then? And are there certain points, like key moments in time, that you think of where knowing what you know now might be really helpful to tell yourself back then? Would you do something that would change the course of your life? The decisions that you made and the results of those choices to create a new history? essentially doing things differently the second time around. Would you tell yourself something like, everything is going to be okay in the end, no matter how hard it might get? Would you tell yourself nothing? Because of the things that you went through back then are what make you who you are in the future. And when would you go back? I mean, would you go back to a point when you were a younger kid? Maybe when you were bullied. Maybe when you were a bully. Maybe when your parents got divorced. Maybe when you were getting into all kinds of trouble and it set you on a path of self-destruction. Would you visit a more adult self when you're still making the some dumb mistakes that you did as a child? Would you want to change something that happened in some relationship? Would you want to visit a loved one on their deathbed? Or say something to someone you were never able to say to them before they were gone? Would you want to just be able to spend one more moment with one person? I mean, it is Valentine's Day after all, and there's plenty of people whose Valentine is no longer in this world. Or would you go back to, say, a year ago and just prepare yourself for what is to come? Maybe add a few more rolls of toilet paper to your shopping list. Now, I know these are all hypothetical situations, but certainly the world of cinema is not afraid to touch on this subject with the number of time travel movies that are made. I mean, Back to the Future might be the most famous one of all. And obviously, if you've seen it, you know that Part of the trick in the movie is making sure the person from the future doesn't alter anything with someone in the past because it can make a new history and erase the future self, as you see happen in the picture with Marty McFly and his family. There are also movies where future selves have conversations with past selves in order to try and sway them in a certain direction, to get them on the right path, to get them back on track. And maybe sometimes they're even given a vision of their self that might make a difference in the future. 
Movies like X-Men, Days of Future Past, Looper, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure have key moments surrounding this idea. And let's not forget our dear friend, old Ebenezer Scrooge, who gets to see a couple different scenes of life. Now, these are movies. This isn't real life. It's not reality for any of us. And we all know that we can't have any do-overs in this life. We can't go back in time and change the past. We can't rewrite history. But what if past, present, and future were able to be seen all together in one place? Because that is what's happening at the transfiguration of Christ. Now, to prove my point, I could very well quote you a verse like, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, and say amen and be done with it. But I think it's good for us to dig into the scene a little bit more and see what this history seen from the past means for us in the present and the future. Let's do the obvious first, the actual transfiguration, right? Jesus goes up onto a mountain with Peter and James and John, and he is transfigured before them, right? His appearance changes. He becomes radiant, bright, white, shining like the sun. And, and you can imagine this light is blinding to the disciples, and the pictures usually show that, right? They're shading their eyes because the light is so bright. Now this transfiguration, while it certainly looks like a change to the disciples, in reality, this is always who Jesus has been. It's just that the disciples are seeing the true glory of Christ for the first time. The glory that was there before the world was ever created, and the glory that is still to come when Christ returns. That's why I can quote a verse like, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Because this is who Jesus has always been and always will be. Whether the disciples realized it or not. And then the voice of God confirms that glory. The same voice that spoke at Jesus' baptism, confirming that glory again. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Now, of course, when we think of clouds and the voice of God and mountains, it's easy to think about stories where God spoke to his people from a mountain, through a cloud, or some other means. Both of the men, Moses and Elijah, that appeared with Jesus at his transfiguration, had a number of instances with God on mountains. Though we probably remember Moses and some of his instances more than Elijah like Moses and the burning bush, Moses and the Ten Commandments. Moses, often seen as representing the law, and Elijah the prophets. And so we kind of say, Jesus has come to fulfill the law, and he is the last and greatest prophet. And that's why we see those two up there on the mountain. But I think there's more than just that's why it's just the two of them. As you heard in the Old Testament reading, 
Moses, when he came down from the mountain after receiving the Ten Commandments, was reflecting the radiance, the glory of God, because he had seen that glory. That same glory that the disciples are now seeing in Jesus. What I also think of is what the Gospel of Luke tells us what happens in this scene, and that is that Moses and Elijah speak to Jesus about his departure. And when you think of departure, it's easy to think about Jesus' departure from this earth. And that would be fitting for Moses and Elijah because each of them had unusual departures from this earth. Elijah, most famously, goes up to heaven in a chariot of fire without dying. Moses does die. However, he is buried by God himself, and no one knows where his grave is to this day. The other unique thing about this conversation of departure they're having is the Greek word for departure is exodus. And of course, when you hear exodus, you think of Moses being called by God from the burning bush to go rescue the people, to gather the people of God who have been enslaved by Pharaoh. And Moses is going to lead them out of slavery, crossing the Red Sea and leading them to the promised land. That rescue was made possible because of the final plague of the firstborn of Egypt. When the people of God sacrificed the lamb and painted its blood on the wooden doorposts so that when God came, he would pass over those homes and not strike the firstborn dead. You may also remember that Moses never entered the promised land because he had disobeyed God and was only able to see it from a distance. As we see Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus here, we know that Moses has reached the promised land of heaven. But what about Jesus' departure? Well, it happens with his own exodus, if you will, and his own Passover. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb that is perfect without spot or blemish. In him, the fullness of God, all glory dwells. Yet God saw fit to have his glory dwell in man. Jesus, being fully God and fully man, is the only one who can save his people, rescue them from the slavery of sin. Because that is what sin does to us. It traps us, it enslaves us, and we cannot free ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We need someone to come and save us. Because in sin, we are dead, deserving of nothing but pain and suffering and punishment and hell. Our future is not bright. It is bleak. It is hopeless. We need to be rescued. And that is what Jesus did. As he became the Passover lamb for us, his blood is painted all over that wooden cross as he sacrifices himself, sheds his body and his blood for us so that eternal death will pass over every one of us.
his people, those who believe in him. And in his exodus, Jesus goes down into the grave. He departs from this earth. He dies and is buried. And then three days later, he comes out of the grave in his resurrection and gathers all people to himself that we will receive the eternal life that Christ has won for us. Jesus' exodus is a worldwide exodus so that all people can enter the promised land of heaven. Now, it would have been hard for Peter, James, and John to get all of that in this glorious transfiguration of Christ. But it is all happening here. The same God who is the God of the living, who is the same yesterday and today and forever, who has revealed himself in the glory of his Son, Jesus Christ, the glory that he had before the foundation of the world and the glory that will be revealed in his return, will lighten our darkest days. While your past, your present, your future self may never meet in the same time, it is possible for you to look into your past and to see all of your sins. To look at your present and to see all of your sins. And to look at your future and know that there will be sins. And it's in those moments that you see yourself that Jesus says, I love you. I died for you and for all of those sins. For those in the past and those yet to come. No matter how terrible they are, no matter how much of a burden they are to you and your conscience, no matter how much you cannot forget them, I have forgiven them. I have forgiven you. And I have won salvation for you in my resurrection from the dead. Because of what Jesus has done for us, he transforms, he changes us. He changes our future so that it is bright, full of hope, joy, and peace. As the New Testament reading from 2 Corinthians says, Jesus in all his glory is also transforming us into his glorious image. And for all who believe, you will See the glory of the sun who shines so bright that there is no longer a need for the sun or the moon or any kind of light. All we need is Christ, and he is more than enough. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.